0: today on Laura Lynn and Friends.
1: And then I go to Twitter and they have tweeted, Houston Methodist Hospital has sent out a series of tweets that I am spreading dangerous misinformation, potentially harmful to the community, you know, that sort of thing. And then then things really got ugly. Well, hello,
2: everyone, and welcome to The Last Days. My name is Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson, and I'm so glad that you're here. I love to uh, pick out a scripture verse from my dad's Bible. Uh, it's very interesting. Um, he's got like, you know, he had the cheater. I, I didn't really realize this till when I looked at his Bible after he passed away about a year ago that, you know, he's got all of the things to tell you how to get to to which books of the Bible. And when I was growing up, you had to memorize the books of the Bible. So I always like to see what my dad thought was important to underline. And every single day I start the show by reading a scripture from the Bible that he's underlined. Well, I just opened it up to Daniel 11. Um, hmm. Until, so Daniel, um, well, this is Daniel seven actually. And uh, verse 22 says, until the ancient of days came and judgment was given to the saints of the most high and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom oh i want to know more about that he has underlined pretty much this whole chapter um wow and the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the most high whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey him that's in verse 27 of 7 that was a good verse dad um i i believe that we're actually heading towards that time where we will have dominion um but in the meantime it sure looks like the devil gets to have all the fun in the playground right now um as he seems to be upping his game against people of righteous standing. And certainly anybody that has common sense has been assaulted and attacked in our world. It's a season and a time where we wonder what is going on. Wrong seems right. Right seems wrong. And the, the line between good and evil is is, uh, is dividing. I think, I think it's getting clearer, you know, for a while it was almost kind of gray, wasn't it? You know, we don't know who's this or that. I mean, if I go back a few years ago, I mean, there was a lot of, a lot of bad stuff going on, but did it really affect all of our lives? We just went on. We just thought we had, the cat's meow of a life here in Canada and in North America. I'm a dual citizen. I love the United States of America. And what have we seen? We've seen them go through an absolutely epic time of deceit and a whole bunch of things have gone wrong. They've had, you know, election issues. They've had the COVID and the vaccine, people losing their jobs, all of that. We've all had to deal with it now. I want to tie in something very um, amazing. First of all, let's look at Laura Ingram. She did a interview with this doctor. Many of you have heard of him. He's all over Twitter. And this doctor, he, was, um, he got his vaccines. And he had nothing against it. He was promoting them. He was telling people to get their vaccines. And then something changed. Um, watch a little bit of this. It's, it's fascinating. You started looking into this after your father who's a healthy man in his 70s, received his vaccine. Tell us what happened.
3: Good evening, Laura. Thank you for having me. So um, I originally, interestingly, was one of the first to have two doses of the vaccine, uh, and even went on Good Morning Britain to help tackle vaccine hesitancy because although I've been very suspicious, as many people have been, about the, you know industry sp- pharmaceutical industry-sponsored research for many years and the reliability of it, I never conceived of the possibility Laura, that a vaccine could do harm, and certainly not harm to the heart. And then in July of last year, my father, who was very fit and active and well, um, I'd actually carried, on, carried out some routine heart checks on him a few years earlier. Everything was good. He suffered an unexplained sudden cardiac arrest at home. And his post-mortem findings didn't, at the time, make any sense to me. He had very severe narrowings of the coronary arteries, what we call critical stenosis. And then several months later, lots of different data started to emerge, which essentially, to summarize, um, suggested that the mRNA vaccines, Pfizer, Moderna, for example, um, likely accelerates coronary artery disease. So I then decided to do my own critical appraisal of the data and spent several months looking at it myself, speaking to eminent scientists in various universities, Oxford, Stanford, Harvard, experts in immunology, Um, two Pfizer whistleblowers spoke to me as well. And I spoke to two investigative journalists. And then I decided I was going to publish my findings in a medical journal, which went through peer review. And essentially, the conclusions are this, Laura, that um, unfortunately, this particular vaccine has harms that are unprecedented. The efficacy is actually very, very poor. And I can break that down for you in a second. But what the conclusions are, very clear, overwhelming, unequivocal evidence that the vaccine these vaccines need to be suspended paused uh, pending an inquiry
2: Hmm. okay well i think that's interesting i think that's good science and that you know a guy who who really supported it um is having a look at it and saying listen what what should we do and uh, I've never been um, anti-vaccine. I, my children were all vaccinated, but it's because of the evidence that I, I think and the science, the data that's coming out that we all kind of, you know, ask questions. That's all we're doing. We're asking questions. And so don't hate me platforms that are listening right now um i'm concerned about something else going on and that is the hatred towards the unvaccinated did you see this this matt good uh comment that has been made uh so matt good apparently got up at one of his concerts uh, two of them actually uh here in british columbia and he said uh, good tells bc crowd freedom protesters should be sent to congo and shot by teens with aks AK-47s and, um, and I'm, I'm wondering uh, if that's a very kind is that should that be considered hate speech because I'm trying to think of what would happen if I got up and I chose an identifiable group and I said about them that they should be sent to Congo and shot. What would happen? So we have the video. Let's hear what he really said because he's kind of said he was taken out of context. I haven't even heard the video. Let's watch.
0: We're having protests in front of, like, hospital days where guys are coming in with their heart, you know, the, the old dad. It's big, for Christ's sake, get out of the way.
3: You know, but I'm not, uh, I guess what we're saying is that I'd like to put those people on a plane to fly the condo, <laughs> with the Congo, like the DR condo? and then they can get off, and, like, 14-year-olds can fire AK-47s at them. Oh! Was like
2: so, really really true. True. so um so i've heard a couple things online that he was talking about the the unvaccinated specifically could we i found it really hard to hear that did you hear it any better jt like in the beginning yeah so but basically the freedom people well the freedom the freedom protesters and you know we have this um you know, this inquiry that is going on right now into what happened with all of the truckers and these people, it's, it's about choice. That's it. Like not being forced to take something into your body that you don't want in your body, my body, my choice, and in seeing the evidence that is coming out daily and very hard to ignore unless you've got your head, you know, underneath a rock. And you're refusing to listen to anything anymore you just want to be hell-bent on your perspective uh so it makes me wonder about matt good saying things like this i i to me that's hateful i'm trying to think of a christian you know a preacher getting up and talking about any group any group and saying that they should be taken to the congo and shot um wow so Yesterday we had Dr. Macus on, Dr. William Macus, who is outing. Was it yesterday? Yeah. yeah. Um, who is outing the the data that he's uh, had about all the doctors that have died? He gets it from the. Yeah. Oh, okay. You want to do the Toronto Star? So um, we had him on, and I did bring up the Toronto Star front cover where most recently they put all of this stuff about the unvaccinated. If an unvaccinated person catches it from someone who's vaccinated, boo-hoo, too bad. I have no empathy left for the willfully unvaccinated. Let them die. I honestly don't care if they die from COVID, not even a little bit. Unvaccinated patients do not deserve ICU beds. At this point, who cares? Stick the unvaccinated in a tent outside and tend to them when the staff has time. This is the simmering divide over who isn't vaccinated. And this is the star, uh, a major, you know, well-known paper used to be uh, until we discovered that they are trash and print nothing but lies generally. Uh, But... They're highlighting this hatred towards the unvaccinated and putting it like right out front. Um, Again, trying to imagine anyone doing this. And then we were stunned by Dr. William Mack's comment yesterday about the treatment of doctors who do not want to be vaccinated and relating that to maybe some kind of psychiatric condition that needs medication. Fascinating. So I want to play you that clip. We've turned it into a tweet. It's i I don't know what it's up at now. Close to 40,000 views since yesterday, not even 24 hours as of now. Um, So this is what Dr. Mack has had to say about how the world is viewing the unvaccinated.
0: Alberta, the number one cause of death, and I think it's over 3000 deaths in the past year is unknown, is unknown. That's the number one cause of death in Alberta. And who's investigating it? Nobody. Um, the Alberta Health Services uh, executives are ignoring it. In fact, um, I've been told that there has been a tremendous push to avoid autopsies altogether um, so that you know um, doctors are instructed not to conduct autopsies. Right. Um, the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta is completely ignoring these uh, vaccine injuries and deaths now we've had we've just had the college of physicians and surgeons in ontario tell their doctors that oh if you have patients who don't want to take the COVID vaccine you should consider putting them on psychiatric medication and this is the college of physicians and surgeons of ontario basically saying that people who don't want to take the COVID shot um, or are unvaccinated completely That there might be something mentally wrong that they might need to be put on psychiatric medication. These are gross violations of medical ethics. Um, You know, this is just, I mean, you know, we've lost medical ethics in Canada completely. Um, You know, I tell people now that we live in a post medical ethics world in Canada. Our healthcare has become completely captured by big pharma and and really politics and and because the Trudeau government is in power and is pushing the mRNA vaccines and their production, um, you know all the healthcare leaders in Canada have fallen in line uh, with this push by the federal Liberal government.
2: Isn't that a stunning clip? And I mean, the entire interview was actually stunning. So before we get to our amazing guest, and I just want to let you all know that we're going to be um, going over to Rumble today. And so uh, Rumble looks like this. It's rumble.com. Everyone who's not used to doing it, we're starting to, you know, try to... Train you how to find us, you know, if in case we're not on the regular platforms that you're used to watching us on. Um, and there's some things that, out of respect, we're just not going to be talking about on some of the platforms because they don't like it. So that's okay. You know how y'all have friends in life and they just don't want to talk about politics. So whenever you meet with them, you just go, the weather is just stunning lately, isn't it? And uh, so that's what we do with those platforms. We just talk uh, as little as possible about the real issues that we're all facing and we're going to be respectful of that and we hope that they respect our rights as well to kind of uh, be on here and and you know uh speak uh a little bit about what we believe in um so you go over to rumble and look for laura lynn tyler thompson you see right there uh maybe i can make it a bit bigger huh Okay, and we also have the link to this show in the chat because we are going to be interviewing uh, Dr. Mary Bowden today and she is absolutely fantastic. She has been stand up and uh, taken the heat like a true warrior and uh, has initiated a lawsuit that we'll be talking about and so we'll be going there in a moment. But before we go to our interview and before we let um, a couple of the platforms go, we uh, What I'd like to do is tie in this Matt Good comment about, um, allowing people to certain people because of their views should be taken to the Congo and shot. I find that reprehensible that you are speaking to a group of people in Canada that love freedom that should be united, not divided. And you're speaking to young people and you are affecting and speaking into their lives and giving them ideas of how they should see others. And you're, you're exemplifying how to speak violently and in fact to incite violence against an identifiable group of people. I find that shocking because I know that if I sat here and did that, the platforms I'm on right now would, would shut me down. They would call it hate speech. So how are you doing that? How is the Toronto star seeming to allow all of this? Well, it's, it's going on in a lot of areas and Tucker Carlson in his uh, monologue as he opened last night, kind of tied in what we're seeing what william mackis is seeing in the the medical field this assault on anyone who has a differing opinion or dare i say anyone who respects science and the query the questioning that is demanded by good science why are those people being demonized and this is a phenomenal perspective from Tucker Carlson. Let's have a look.
4: Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. In July of 1993, a radio station on Kilgali, Rwanda, began openly attacking one of the country's main ethnic groups, the Tutsis. The radio station was called RTLM, but many remember it as simply Hutu Radio because its audience was primarily Hutu. According to Hutu Radio, Tutsi people were responsible for virtually every bad thing that ever happened in Rwanda. Tutsis had way too much money. They had way too much power. Tutsis were way too privileged. They were greedy. They were bigoted. They were racists. They were dangerous. Everything about Tutsiness was repulsive. For the most part, actual Tutsis in Rwanda ignored all of this. Hutu Radio was not aimed at them. But then, in July of 1994, just nine months after RTLM went on the air, a genocide began in Rwanda. More than half a million Tutsis were murdered, in many cases by Hutus whose rage had been stoked to violence by RTLM's broadcasts. Entire Tutsi families were dragged from their homes and hacked to death with machetes. Hundreds of thousands of women were raped. The world watched in horror as it happened, but did nothing to intervene. Instead, our leaders told us at the time, the genocide in Rwanda would live forever as a lesson to the rest of us. About the capacity for evil that lurks inside every human heart and the dangers of reducing our neighbors to the sum total of their ethnicity, their individuals, not ethnic groups. Bill Clinton gave an eloquent speech actually on the subject in Kilgali back in 1998. Look it up and ask yourself, as you read it, if any Democratic Party official could today say those same words. It's hard to imagine, given what plays on a loop on that party's cable news arm, MSNBC. Have you watched MSNBC lately? Likely you haven't. Like the Tootsies, you're not the target audience, but you should tune in sometime. It's remarkable. Given that opposing racism is America's national religion, it may surprise you to learn that open race hate forms much of the substance of that channel's programming. And when we say race hate, we're not referring to the subtle coded variety. You want border security? You're giving your kids piano lessons? You like Shakespeare? You believe in the SAT? You must be a racist. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the kind of race hate you cannot mistake for anything else. The kind where people just come out and announce, I hate this race of people, and here's why I do. It's hard to believe that anything like that is happening right now on American television, but it is out in the open. And the most amazing and the most creepy part of all is that no one is saying anything about it. It's all but ignored. And honestly, we had no idea what was going on either until we started getting texts from people Are you watching this? Can you believe this? So we tuned in. Apparently, on the left, what you're about to see is considered completely normal, even good. And that should worry you deeply. You don't want to live in Rwanda. BUT ON MSNBC, THEY'RE ALREADY THERE. NOW, YOU PROBABLY KNEW ABOUT JOY REID, THE RACE LADY, WHO'S BEEN FIXATED ON RACE HATE FOR YEARS NOW. BUT MSNBC HAS A NEW HOST, SOMEONE CALLED TIFFANY CROSS, WHO HOSTS A SHOW CALLED THE CROSS CONNECTION. HERE'S A SELECTION.
1: Many of us have seen the dangers when powerful white people decide they want something, they annex it. And they've never had a problem replacing the people who stand in their way.
3: We see American white people are are going crazy,
0: they're going, they're resorting to violence. This is literally what conservative white folks do
4: when they don't get their way. They turn violent.
1: White people deputizing themselves in some position of authority to have jurisdiction over their life when they need to mind their
4: blanking business. I don't think it's our responsibility to be tasked with destroying and dismantling the uh, racial oppression that's against
3: us. That's just saying we're more at fault than the white people who constructed this system and the white people who continue to practice institutional racism. A majority of white people do not support policies
0: that would unpack and unroll and reform this system of justice. This is what they want. Matt Gates is giving the white folks what they want.
1: White replacement can strangle culture. So, yes, we should all be concerned about white replacement. It is, after all, a very threat to our survival here.
4: IS THERE ANYTHING WORSE THAN WHITE PEOPLE? THEY'RE VIOLENT, THEY'RE HEARTLESS, THEY'RE CRUEL, THEY'RE DERANGED, THEY'RE SECRETIVE, THEY'RE DISHONEST. IN FACT, AS YOU JUST HEARD TIFFANY CROSS SAY, WHITE PEOPLE ARE A MORTAL DANGER TO YOU AND YOUR LOVED ONES. THEY THREATEN YOUR LIFE. ARE THEY POISONING THE WELLS? ARE THEY BAKING BREAD WITH THE BLOOD OF YOUR CHILDREN? IF NOT, ACCORDING TO TIFFANY CROSS AND MSNBC, THEY'RE FULLY CAPABLE OF DOING THOSE THINGS, THEY'VE CERTAINLY DONE WORSE.
2: Wow. So what I'd like to play tomorrow, um, and I want to get to our guests, so I'm not going to take time to do it today, but I want to play tomorrow the response from an African American hero. And that is the guest that Tucker Carlson has on next. And he basically sums it up by saying, this is actually a fight against God. It's not about all of these things. It's not just about pitting the vaccinated against the unvaccinated, the white people against the black people. It's not just about that. This is a war against humanity trying to divide us and to turn each other against each other. And we can't fall for it. And the fact that Matthew Good, who I've interviewed actually many years ago, Um, Yeah. Do you remember that? Um, I did a great interview with him. Uh, He's a fascinating person. But for him to have come, you know, I, I just lost all respect. And to me, he needs to apologize because we cannot have that kind of divisive, angry, violent talk. Did you hear about how Tucker Carlson crystallized what happened in Rwanda I grew up in Uganda. I was born a small white child in Uganda, East Africa, and my mother and father were missionary parents. And we had Idi Amin when we were there and Idi Amin killed thousands of his, his own people. And they were just, you know, the, the bodies were floating down the river because he's one maniacal crazy person. Okay. Thank God he was removed and went into exile and unfortunately died, probably being cared for well, but, but. His, his judgment day shall surely come. Then there's Rwanda and the Hutus and the Tutsis started fighting each other. Understand, these people lived beside each other for decades. And as Tucker said, the Tutsis, well, they didn't really listen to, you know, it's kind of like us. We, we don't really listen to CNN. We don't really listen to mainstream media anymore. But when I tune in to mainstream media, guess who they're talking about? The unvaccinated and in a very disturbing manner this has got to be confronted and we have to speak up and not be silent in the face of this kind of discrimination where's the anti-bullying people you know what happened to that message that was all anti-bullying and that's our prime minister and yet our prime minister has been at the forefront of dividing us against the vaccinated, you know, against the unvaccinated, saying that don't think that you can get on a train or a plane. His idea we played just the other day uh, that we all still need to get vaccinated so uh, we don't face the danger. He used that word, the danger of more mandates. What the heck? We can't afford this, everyone. I encourage you to love To stand strong, to speak the truth in love, and to refuse to be mistreated. Uh, When you are in an abusive relationship with someone, you cannot allow them to abuse you. You may have to make very, very strong, take very strong actions in order to make sure that you do not remain vulnerable to an abusive situation. If Canada does not change from these ways, uh, we've got a big problem. And I I do believe, actually, we have a bigger problem than we know. So I would love now to transition to our amazing guest. And I'm so very, very grateful for this woman. Her name is Dr. Mary Bowden, and she has been involved in a lawsuit. Uh, She has been an amazing stander. We're not going to let go of our platforms yet. Let's say hello to her first um, and see how you're doing. Thank you very much for waiting in the background, uh, Dr. Bowden. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Uh, thank you so much for
2: having me. You're welcome. You're really welcome, and it's a privilege and an honor. We have played the clips um, on our show of the stand that you've had to take, and I know that um, as as we see the the whole world not making a lot of sense. Have you are you able to resonate with some of these things that we've just shown about you know sort of the the lack of common sense and the division that's happening.
1: Yeah, I love what you said earlier, how everything was gray, and now it's become very black and white. I feel like I went through that exact same transition. I mean, early on, I was, you know, just trying to be a doctor and take care of my patients. And I was, you know, I was testing patients. And so I was seeing, I was seeing a lot of COVID, and I was seeing the vaccine not working. And then I started seeing the side effects from the vaccine. And it all became very clear to me just because of having firsthand knowledge of it. But, you know, early on, it was very gray. I almost got vaccinated. I ended up not, but um, it, it is interesting. And, and you know, prior to the pandemic, I was virtually apolitical. I mean, I barely voted in the last election and now I'm considered a right-wing uh, extremist, which uh, I wear that <laughs> with pride, but I right. never would have thought, <laughs> never. It is funny.
2: This whole thing has actually it um, it it's divided us. It, it has made us. Uh, it's made the issues very clear. And sometimes we waited our way through it to the point, like like you say, you you were considering, you know, what to do and as a doctor and all of that. So at this point, I'm going to now um, ask everyone on YouTube, we have a fascinating discussion right ahead of us. But we're going to say goodbye to you on YouTube, because we love you and we respect the platform and its rules. And we are asking you to head over right now to uh, to, um, to rumble. And I don't know if you need to show it again or, or whatever, but head over to Rumble. You'll find us. And the description is also in the links. So thank you. And God bless. If you can't join us, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Um, so, Dr. Mary, um, thank you uh, for being so honest about that. So, when this all first happened, if we could go back to that, uh, you you heard, of course, about COVID, and then the vaccines were coming. And so, what was your initial thoughts on all of that?
1: Right. So as an EMT, I see patients with respiratory illnesses and I started having patients come to my office, trying to get tested early on. Testing was a big problem. because it was taking two weeks and I found a lab that was able to give me fast results. And so I became this little COVID hub, uh, you know, un- you know, just, just happened. And I tell patients, go see your primary care doctor and they come back and say, well, my primary care doctor is not open or, you know told me to go to the emergency room or just told me to do nothing and um, that didn't sit well for me because i was seeing pretty sick people so i was just trying to do what i could initially i was doing breathing treatments and then you know supporting you know treating secondary infections um, with antibiotics and steroids and then gradually i just i mean out of demand i had to keep offering more and more so then i started doing monoclonal antibodies and then the government rationed those so we were able to get them very easily initially and i don't know how it is in canada but the government rationed those so that we could only get a, a limited amount every week and so then i had to open up more options so i started following FLCCC's protocols and using ivermectin and then i started seeing great results and for six months i couldn't get my hands on any monoclonal antibodies so i was relying solely on the flcc protocol and patients did great and so it just all Fell on me by accident, and I was just trying to help people. And you know, to date now we've counted over 4,300 patients using early treatment. We've kept them alive. And if you look at statistics, 10, 20, maybe 30 of those should be dead, and they're not. So um, it's all, you know, it's it's all very clear to me now. But yes, it was uh, a learning experience, evolving experience. Uh, Learn as you go.
2: Right, um, and
1: so uh, did did you
2: see sort of the um, the medical uh, you know establishment basically not wanting to use some of the remedies that had been around for a long time? And did you question why that was happening?
1: Well, the first thing was the breathing treatments, and so I was on some Facebook groups, like Houston physicians groups. I was talking about doing breathing treatments, and Oh, I got, you know, just vilified for doing breathing treatments because I was spreading, spewing COVID all over the place. That that sort of thing. And I actually, my my practice is in a strip center. So I bought portable battery operated nebulizers and, and did breathing treatments in people's cars, which I thought that would be, you know, I thought that would get a lot of support from other physicians. And no, no, that was a, a, a no-no, even in the car. Um, yeah. And then Why? I just quickly it was against protocol. It, it is insane. You see these patients in the hospital that they will not give breathing treatments to, even though they're in their own room and it's just can't give breathing treatments and just a simple thing. I mean, that's, that's basic medicine, right? That, right. That it doesn't and matter for us rest- who, who don't know,
2: like, like what's a, what
1: is a breathing treatment exactly? It is, it's pretty simple. I, the one I usually give is saline and steroid. So it's a little mixture of saline and steroid. You can add a bronchodilator, like albuterol, but I usually don't even do that. I just do the saline, like a watered down steroid, mm-hmm. twice a day. I mean, it can work wonders, um, okay. and it's just a shame, and it's, it's severe malpractice that they just basically banned those in the hospitals. Wow. Um, but yeah, and then, it, I guess the vaccine, I thought about offering it for my patients, and uh, I couldn't get it, they wouldn't give it to just little clinics, they were just giving the hospitals, so I just decided not to. And then I started seeing all the breakthrough cases, and I started noticing that these breakthrough cases were not only positive for COVID, but they're also sick, they were just as sick as the people that were unvaccinated. And then I started seeing the patients with ongoing health issues, and the last time I looked, and I think it's actually higher than this, but the last time I looked, ten percent of my new patient appointments are for people with ongoing health issues directly related to the vaccine. And these people, they get the million-dollar workup, and then they put they are put on psychiatric medications by the by the mainstream medical establishment. And most of the time, they don't get reported of errors. I had a patient today had severe reaction after Moderna, and I asked her, "Yo, did you tell your CP? Yes, I told her she didn't make me get the second one. I go, well, did she? Did you report it? Oh no, she did not report it. I mean, this is I hear this several times a week. Um, so, wow. So, and and that is that
2: as has been a real problem. Um, it's my understanding that reporting any of these kinds of things is a lot of work. Uh, you're not paid for it. Uh, it's extensive amount of paperwork, and people are being discouraged from reporting on any of it.
1: It's not that hard. It takes five, 10 minutes. It's really not that hard. Right. Okay.
2: So, um, so what then, uh, what then happened for you personally as you, you know, were, you know, learning as you go, because I guess we've never really faced a pandemic
1: before. So how did it evolve? So when I started seeing what was happening with the vaccines, and then I had patients coming to me, you know, distraught because they were losing their jobs. Uh, I had a patient come to me telling me that her urologist at Methodist Hospital had called her and said she was going to need to find a new urologist because they would no longer be accepting unvaccinated patients. So I started speaking out about this. I sent an email to my patients that got back to Methodist, where I described this patient's um, problem, um, as well as you know, I had a surgery center, say that I couldn't operate there if I wasn't vaccinated.
4: And then I got
1: involved in the care of a patient in Dallas, Texas, which is four hours north of Houston, um, who was trapped in the hospital, and the hospital refused to give him ivermectin, and the wife asked me to intervene, and I testified she sued the hospital, We won the case. The court said that the hospital needed to grant me temporary privileges and then allow me to do the ivermectin. Well, they reviewed my privileges and decided that I was not um, worthy of being allowed to have temporary privileges, even though I had no malpractice suits. I had, there was no uh, clean, unblemished record, but somehow I didn't, I wasn't up to snuff. So all this sort of happened at the same time and I sent an email out to my patient saying, going forward, I am only treating the unvaccinated. And that caused kind of an uproar. And that's oh. sort of, <laughs>
4: that's
1: where, <laughs> where things kind of. A, yeah, a little that, bit
2: of a, a little bit of a, you know, uh, t- turning the tables on them in a way.
1: Yes. And I actually never, I, I never stood by that. Um, but it, <laughs> It did change my practice. Some people were really mad, and some people were really happy. Um, But then I started saying things on Twitter that apparently are not allowed. I said, vaccine mandates are wrong. I said, ivermectin works. And then Methodist Hospital went after me. And they did it very publicly. I got a text message from a reporter saying, can you please confirm, is it true that Houston Methodist has suspended your privileges? And this is how I found out from a reporter texting me. Um, And I did a double take. I said, no, what are you talking about? You know, um, and then I go to Twitter and they have tweeted, Houston Methodist Hospital has sent out a series of tweets that... I am spreading dangerous misinformation, potentially harmful to the community, you know, that sort of thing. And then, then things really got ugly. Um, And I had, so the gentleman next to me, I hired somebody to help me handle that with the media because I didn't know what to do. And somebody said, well, you need, you need a PR consultant. And so he helped me, you know, he arranged a press conference and that sort of thing to try to get my side of the story out.
2: Right. And that must be where we saw you because we, uh, showed the clips of what you were going through there. So all of it was just completely new then. I mean, you must have felt like that would be a very personal, um, rejection and, and quite the battle at the time. Uh, what were you feeling inside? Like this is very
1: rattling to a person's sense of who they are. Oh, it was, it was horrible. I mean, I was basically a weekend of just, just, I mean, didn't know what to do. I was in a fetal position basically for a weekend. Um, But then, you know, I hired a lawyer. I hired Wayne Dolcefino to help me handle the press and got back up on my feet and decided to fight back.
2: Amazing. And, and, uh, that's good because have you seen others around you that haven't taken that path? Like they've, they've maybe had the same positions as you, um, you know, in, with respect to your belief system and what works, what doesn't work as a doctor with a, with your expertise and all that, you know, you made, you made judgment calls and others have done the same, but then they haven't fought back. Have you seen
1: that? Oh, yes. Yeah. We see it a lot. And, you know, as, at this point, I will embrace anybody that is like-minded. You don't have to throw yourself out into the, that, that horrible cesspool of social media and get vilified. If you are like-minded and supportive and um, not adding to the, to the evil, then I will embrace you. But yes, I wish more people would, would fight back.
2: Yeah, I do too, and if there was more of us, I don't think we'd be here, including uh, the pastors of the nation that have succumbed, uh, the Christian organizations that have not stood up, um, maybe from lack of knowledge or the inability to do a little bit of research or listen to good doctors such as yourself and many others. Uh, you know, a small percentage of the the whole network of doctors, but many have sounded the alarm and said something's wrong here. And we could have listened to them and many of them very reputable people putting their entire careers on the line in order to say, you know, something's wrong. And for you, I guess the attack kind of, uh, were you surprised that they came at you so
1: vehemently? Oh yeah, I mean that's it's completely unprecedented for a hospital to do that sort of thing. Yeah, they they did send me an email from you know after that email I sent to my patients, and I sent out a subsequent email giving them Methodist side of the story. So Methodist said, "Oh, we would never never have this policy in place." That's a lie. I mean, the woman who called me is you know in her late seventies. She's a sweet old lady. I don't. I mean, I guess she could have been lying. But I said in the subsequent email that this is Methodist side of the story, right? I thought we were done with it, right? And then, I mean, they just, wow, it's it's just not something, it's not the way things are normally handled. And, and if you have a problem with a position, you don't go to the Houston Chronicle. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. Isn't it odd? It was as if they used your boldness um, and some of you really stood up um, and did some logical things really, but they use that almost to kind of set an example. And don't you think that that puts fear into all of the other doctors who might want to stand, but are unprepared, certainly after seeing what happened to you?
1: Yes. And you know, the fact is I was not in the doctor's lounge hanging out. I wasn't in the fabric of their little community. I'd never stepped foot in that hospital. So I was a perfect target because You know, I was an unknown there. I I had privileges there just because as an ENT, if I take out somebody's tonsils and there's a complication, you have to have a place to send them. But I had never set foot in that hospital. So it was a complete PR stunt. Wow. So when you
2: fought back in this way, what was the response uh, that you got back from them?
1: From Methodist? Yeah. Well, silence, silence. And complete silence. Just, oh, right. Yes. Complete silence. And did they eliminate your uh, privileges and all of that? They sus- suspended me and I was just, I just resigned, um, because uh, I didn't think there were privileges worth fighting for at that point. Right. So you, you went big, like you put forward a
2: $25 million defamation lawsuit. Uh, mm-hmm. and
1: certainly, uh, deserved well yeah I mean if you google my name you, and you see dangerous I mean who's gonna to go to a doctor with the label dangerous right that's what they labeled me as dangerous so you yeah, no, know <laughs>
2: wow so have you seen this division in the United States of America and do you think it's getting better or worse? Uh, As we get more and more information, we've got doctors that are coming out, uh, like the one that was on Laura Ingram, the clip that I played earlier. Uh, We've got a a lot of people now saying, listen, you know, Dr. Peter McCullough has been very forward. I mean, here's a guy who's, you know, one of the most published, um, you know, uh, is he a a cardio specialist? And, Mm -hmm. and you know, he's vilified and defamed, but he... He's got the data, the science is all coming out. So do you think that they are still proceeding to vilify the unvaccinated? Do you see that divide
1: still going on? I do think more and more doctors are softly backing away. But in the US, the CDC just approved the vaccine for the childhood immunization schedule. I mean, that I am floored because I thought I thought public sentiment was backing away, quietly backing away, we would let them save face maybe, but clearly they are doubling down, but it could backfire because I think you mess with a mother, come between a mother and her child and you're going to have some, you're going to have some pushback and some anger and and maybe, maybe this is what we need.
2: Well, um, it's my understanding, it's very shocking to me that the Biden administration and they're all pushing the vaccines to the children where they have literally, it's its no help at all. Kids generally, I heard it's like, um, uh, it was something like 0.003 per million or something that there would ever be, you know, um, I don't want to get the um, the numbers wrong, but it's very, very minimal that a child would be um, hurt by COVID because they generally um, sail through it, but but these vaccines we have, like I know on the VARES, I actually printed off 142 of the cases that that the kids um, under the age of 18 had died from the vaccine, not COVID, and right. um, so it's very shocking that they're going down this path. But of course, we we all know like nothing makes sense as to what they're doing. But at right. least in the states, isn't it up to each individual state now?
1: Yeah, but, I mean, yes, I think. I mean, in terms of the vaccine schedule, I yeah. think it, it's a little more, it's, you know, it's not going to be the entire country is forced to vaccinate their three-year-old with COVID shot. But it's going to make more, more things that people are going to jump through. And, you know, it's really people are not wanting to get any vaccines now for their children. I mean, it's going to, there's a big backlash now against the entire vaccine schedule because people have, have lost so much trust. And one thing that I want to say about these COVID vaccines, if you inject a nonverbal child with the vaccine and they got, they get myocarditis, you might not know they have myocarditis. So they drop dead several years later on the football field from scar tissue. Right. Because a nonverbal child is not going to be able to say, oh, my heart hurts, right? They may be fussy, but, you know, it's very nonspecific. If you're not checking for it, then we don't know what's going to happen down the road when they start really stressing out their heart. And maybe they have scar tissue from myocarditis. It's it's just awful.
2: It really is. And so as you have um, continued to see the outfall, I'm sure that you're probably one to kind of keep up with what you're seeing, you know, the evidence and the data that's coming out. Are you convinced that like, maybe like uh doctor, is it Mahotra? Mahotra, um, that are you convinced as well that maybe like, why are we doing this and continuing
1: in this when the safety is not there? Oh yeah. I mean, it needs to, it, it should have been stopped a long time ago. It's, it's outrageous it's horrifying. It it should have been stopped a long time ago. I mean, that should have been, it's, it's, but you know, it is what it is at this point. And now we just got to educate mothers and educate parents and educate the public to, to just not comply.
2: So with your mind, your expertise, your education and your knowledge of the inside workings of medicine and people in this field, What do you attribute this uh, unbelievable situation to that they don't, they're not acknowledging all of this and no one's allowed to talk about it even?
1: Well, I think it starts with, okay, you choose the medical students. The people that go into medicine are straight A students. They're rule followers to begin with. Um, in residency, you're, you're at medical school and residency. I mean, I'm not in the military, but I imagine it's similar that there's, it's very rigorous. There are high standards, there are protocols. You don't question. Uh, I, I didn't, I wasn't the best resident cause I questioned, <laughs> questioned a lot. I felt like I was in trouble a lot. Um, but you know, the people that the shining stars of medicine are the most compliant people. They are the ones that wow. are. They the, like to promote them. Who, yeah, they they are gonna they do they go into academics. They do very well. They they can play the politics, um, and they can play the game, and that's why we're in the problem. That's why we are where we are.
2: You know, uh, for the first time, um, you're kind of putting together a little puzzle that I had in my mind because my dad uh, was in the hospital with COVID pneumonia. And uh, I came back from Costa Rica and I gave him ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine behind the doctor's backs. It's fully open. I talk about it all the time. And then I told the doctors what I'd done. But what was so shocking to me is when I was trying to convince them that I would like them to please initiate these treatments. And then they said, Oh, no, no, there's no evidence. You know, they were like clueless. So I came back in with, you know, an inch and a half of paperwork with the peer reviewed studies on ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. And I came back to give them, you know, information and to try to talk to them. And you could just see that they, they didn't want information. They didn't want to know anything other than what they've been taught compliance, doing what the all knowing almighty uh, teachers and, and their, their medical um, education had taught them. No, 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 Ability to um, consider, you know, to do a little brainstorming of their own and to rationally look at the situation. So that makes a lot of sense. And I was the student that always was in trouble too because I asked too many questions, but that was just high school. Um, And so that makes sense to me that you became someone who could discern. And I I would think that that is a um, sort of a better way to have uh, approached any kind of medicine that you have an inquiring mind but also that that people that do have those kinds of inquiring minds are maybe the ones that have had more of an awareness like something's not adding up here because other the other people don't seem to see it
1: yeah and part of it too i think is ego if you have a, a very strong ego you're going to have less of an open mind you have to have an open mind to consider yeah you know, a lot of doctors don't like patients coming to them telling them you know, how to do their jobs. And so that is also, uh, I think, a big issue with most doctors. And I think what has humbled me is having four kids. And I've been, I've been at the mercy of the medical system. I mean, I was pregnant for five years straight. And so I saw, I've been on the other side of it, and it's very humbling. And I don't think if you've been through that and you're a doctor and you're a young buck out of training and you're an Ivy Leaguer and da da da, and you've published 50 papers, you're not going to see things the same way as a patient.
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, well, I'm just so grateful that there are people like you that are standing up. And so with your lawsuit, uh, what is the sort of, uh, I'm not certain if you've uh, shared sort of like the ongoing battle then um, you'll, you'll be, it's, it's going to keep coming up. I guess you so- have more court dates.
1: Yeah, it's, we thought they, uh, file a motion to dismiss, but they didn't. So, and we requested a trial by jury. So it looks like we're now in the discovery phase, which is going to be
2: fun. Oh, I think it's going to be a riot and you're right. I'm, I'm surprised because once all the evidence is clearly presented to right thinking people who are bought off, um, it is actually really clear what the science is, and that's what happens with every doctor that I speak to that's fighting here in Canada, and the ones that I've had on from the United States. Like, it's not actually rocket science. I mean, it, it's amazing information and data that you are able to to you know um, have at your disposal, but it's clear. And so, if you're going to get the the fun of being able to put this kind of evidence in front of a jury
1: that's exciting yes yes it it is very exciting I didn't think (laughs) they I guess they don't feel like they have anything to hide but I think it will it'll be interesting oh it's absolutely fascinating
2: um and to see you know with the way that they treated you and all of that and so
1: is your life a little bit on hold in the medical field right now or I mean, I still see patients. I just, uh, I don't have privileges at Methodist Hospital, but it hasn't, I still have uh, patients. I still have a place where I can operate. So, um, yeah, that, that hospital wasn't part of my practice. (laughs) Right,
2: right. So in a way you've been preserved, uh, and, and you get to continue to do, to do what you love, but you've also been called for such a time as this at an, an epic hour to really stand and not many people would have the courage to do what you're doing. Where did you get this?
1: I don't know. I I think my dad said, he's like, they stepped on the wrong hornet and that's the way way you were born. I don't think I would have done this had it, had I not been stepped on, but (laughs) if somebody steps on me, I'm going to fight back.
2: You're going to fight back. And that's a lesson for all of us. Thank you so much uh, for being here. Is there any last word you'd like to say? Um, to everybody about about the, the this journey
1: I think a lot of people don't know what they can do and I, I one thing I, I do feel like we're in an information war and I think we need to uh, as horrible as social media is get more active on social media fight back mm-hmm. spread the mm-hmm. news far and wide as you can thank you for being on the right side with them I mean the media is a big battle in the censorship I mean I had. Yeah. 125,000 followers on Twitter and was just kicked off, and so that just, you know, that silenced me. And I, you know, so we need more people. If you if you don't feel like you can do anything, you can get on social media and just keep spreading the the information. Yes, absolutely.
2: And uh, you're teaching us to be courageous. And if you can do it, and you're such a gentle soul, and you know, a woman, uh, you don't have big muscles or nothing, but you've got this certain kind of strength right like we have what it takes when we're called on to do something amazing we really do but sometimes what we simply lack is courage and you do not lack courage and uh we just we appreciate it so much thanks for fighting not only for yourself but for all of us we sure appreciate it and we hope to have you on again when when there's a great update thank you so much i really enjoyed it thank you dr Bowden. Well, uh, I appreciate people like that because we need a lot more of them. And this epic hour that we've been in has called on us to, to rise above, to speak. Uh, as I've told you, I have that elevator speech. I like to just wake up people every day. If I'm out at a restaurant, oh, where I'm allowed to eat now, you know, I wasn't allowed a few months ago, me and my husband weren't allowed to go to a restaurant for like eight months. I mean, what kind of sickness is that? Um, but it's important that we just keep speaking and we tell the truth. And it's important that we have a righteous anger right now and that we rise in a, in a righteous rebellion. I've told you before about Hank Kuhneman's prophetic word over Canada, that there would be a dissatisfaction in the people of Canada that would cause us to rise. I don't know if we're always seeing that because, you know, very recently we had our local um You know civil elections here in British Columbia and it was kind of a dismal failure Um, only 20% of the regulars actually showed up to cast their vote in Chilliwack uh, the people that have stood very strong for the protection of children like Daryl Ferguson and um, uh, my good friend uh, the other guy yeah Barry Neufeld uh, (laughs) How can you forget a good friend's name? especially Barry Newfeld; he's so unforgettable. Um, so he got voted out and like, where, where was all the, the Christians, these guys are trying to, so now what they have, they have, don't they have a transgender on the board and they've got, uh, the gal that, that does the Bondar woman, she does videos where she dances half naked. Um, she's on the school board now. And then of course there's Willow and you you just can't even fathom that these, these people, they, they were upset at Daryl Ferguson for thinking that there should be somewhat of a dress code in high school, shouldn't there? Wouldn't you like your children to go to a school where people are saying, listen, you can't just come to school showing all that. And you know, wouldn't that be good teaching women discretion and chastity? Is that long gone as do do we not honor any of that you know my husband always says like women lost I mean they they just they take you know one of the most powerful things that we have is our sexuality our beauty and then you just take it and you give it away to everybody and you're just over like you know I mean how many of you women know out there what I'm talking about where you know you just you know you if you met a guy, you sleep with him. He doesn't call you again. I mean, he's conquered you. It's it's done, right? And where men, they you actually need to engage a man long enough that he gets past sort of the lust of it all to see who you really are. A man stays. This is my belief. A man stays in a relationship when he gets. Past that initial like "Ah," you know and can see whether you're crazy or not and can see if you're a good person and begins to relate to your um your your principles and if you believe the same as him or, or do you have the same core values because that's what keeps you together for a lifetime not that other stuff that i mean you know i remember watching that movie my um first date or something and it was with um Ellen DeGeneres was in it (laughs) and she falls in love with this guy which right there is pretty funny uh you know so she falls in love with this guy she was acting in a movie and um and then and like the first part of the movie he's just amazing like he's so romantic and he's so smart And then he, he begins to come become weirder and weirder and weirder till he's like the worst thing that's ever happened in her life. And he's just a nut, you know, and uh, that's what lust teaches you. It teaches you how to like be attracted with something on the outside, right? Or some e- ego gratification, even, you know, oh, someone likes me. And then all of a sudden uh, you get past all that and you have to figure out who this person actually really is. And so, uh, it's, it's all very interesting, but I I seem to have gotten on quite a rabbit trail there, but just coming back as I close to what Tucker had to say, um, it is very concerning to me that this, uh, despite all evidence that we are rolling out vaccines to children, that we are continuing with the, the vaccinate all the time mantra when the unvaccinated actually serve a really good scientific purpose do you know that we're like the we're like the control group right jt like we we show we will show as time goes on um the results of not being vaccinated and what that means and i lost my you know my moment I lost a month on one of the platforms I'm on because somebody began to point out that actually how many of the vaccinated are, you know, getting sick and that, so this immunity that you're supposed to have now, uh, I had somebody tell me, um, I think it was Dr. William Maccus actually yesterday was saying how they want the doctors and all of them to begin getting vaccinated every three months and I believe that there was a minister in the government that was saying that not too long ago so they are pushing pushing that and so if you're unvaccinated then someone like Matt Good can apparently you know you're a freedom lover you believe in bodily autonomy that you have a right my body my choice and that you're the kind of person that should be taken to Congo and shot um that's not allowed And somebody needs to hold him to account. And personally, I don't think that anyone should go to his, don't, don't buy his records, don't buy his music, don't go to his, uh, concerts because that is a, a, an untenable position to hold in a country that I'm sorry. I heard that we were the non-bullying pro diversity group and you know, we really are. In Canada, you can live any way you want. Uh, you get a lot of freedom. You can be any religion you want. You're free. What is going on with all that they're doing? Well, we talk a lot about that, don't we? So we know a whole lot more. And if you watch this show regularly, <clears throat> you'll absolutely know what's going on. So I thank you today for joining us. Um, we want to just remind you, too, we've gotten a, uh, people writing me back about Sun City Silver. And um, we did an amazing show and we got a lot of feedback on that regarding investing in gold and silver right now. And that is something that actually JT and I really believe in because the dollar is not very stable right now. And your Canadian dollar, if you take your dollar and you want to buy American dollars, let's say your dollar is worth about 62 cents these days. That is terrifying. I don't believe that you should be leaving your money in the bank to rot right now. I do believe and have governed myself accordingly to invest in silver and to invest in metals so that you have something that's that is protected and has its value and its value is set to go up. We've had a couple of people talking lately about how they are devaluing these precious metals right now um, sort of artificially, that's not going to last forever. Also, I, I really believe that real estate has always been, um, a very good investment and that might be why Bill Gates is buying up all of the farmland. Apparently he spent over $300 million, um, getting all kinds of stuff in the United States. So Sun City, silver and gold, we do absolutely stand by Steve Merrill was on here. He's trustworthy. He's been around for a long time. And, uh, he knows what he's talking about and he can lead you the best. And he did give us a really good deal that if anybody, well, he's going to give you a good deal that, um, if you purchase, you get one of the, that silver bullet. And I don't think we is, oh, it's a silver shotgun, um, bullet. And it's, uh, he says it's like worth 200 bucks, but if you buy a certain quantity, I believe it was $5,000 or more anyways, it's fun to have a silver bullet, right? Also it kills, doesn't it kill, um, uh vampires I'm pretty sure it kills vampires so like you should have one werewolves yeah so it's really good um my my website is lauralyn.tv and um thank you to all of you who support our work who love us thank you for your emails and you know it never fails that I just get you guys pouring out such love um, I do feel loved, I feel embraced in this journey as much as there is a lot of hatred towards us, or, you know, we've got a lot of, uh, fears that, um, we have to deal with because losing platforms or losing our ability to get the word out, even as much as there is of that, there is 10 times the love coming our way. And that's from you guys. That's from every one of you who support and love what we are doing every single day. So I sure do appreciate it. And uh, when you're able to toss us a little bit to help us to do what we do, it means a lot. Um, Some people, a lot of people signing up to become a monthly partner. And that way we kind of know that you'll be there, you know, for a little bit, because guess what? We're going to be here for a little bit. We're going to be here for a long bit. This is it. Like this is what I do actually. (laughs) So I love being here and I love sharing this stuff and it makes it really beautiful when you can help us to do it because there's, we don't get any money from the government. We would like, uh, Trudeau to invest in this show, but, um, we haven't heard back from him or any of that money that gets given out to all the media. Uh, people, we apparently do not qualify. And so we have to do this on our own. I want to leave you with this uh, scripture today. In Psalms 25, it says, In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame. Nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame god will not leave you hanging out there for the world to ridicule without ultimate justice sometimes in the middle of a matter there can be those who are mockers and those who want to um, discredit you but really The Lord is our backup, and He is so powerful. God's got us. He won't let us be put to shame. He wants us to trust in Him so incredibly that we lay our finances before Him, that we don't worry about what tomorrow holds because He holds the future. You know, it's very pivotal in Matthew where God said that, you know, Even the birds of the air are watched over by God. Why do we need to worry about what we'll do, how we'll eat even, or how we'll be clothed? That God is always watching out for us. And you know, the really cool thing about God is very, very often, even in a dry season, like a drought, a famine, which I think we've been going through because it's been so hard, right? But even in a famine type of situation, God gives us an abundance, like streams of water in the desert. That's what he does. He's he's not just a God who gives you just enough to get by. He's always looking out for all the goodies that he can put in your path, the, the little blessings that come along. Have any of you found that? When you get a better job after you've lost one job, when something better happens after something devastating, when that relationship is is lost and you just feel so brokenhearted, and then in a little while, God brings something that just redeems it all, another beautiful person. But shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Can I tell you why I have a healthy fear of God? Listen, if you're one of those treacherous people right now, if you're one of those, you're actually watching this because you cannot believe the the nonsense that I spew, and you are treacherous, and you have accepted bribes, and you are peddling a deception because you have placed the love of yourself and money before the love of others, well, shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. There needs to be a holy, awesome fear of God because He is a very loving God. But make no mistake about it, He is the ultimate judge and he is the ultimate one who gives out and deals out justice and when he does, stand back. I've loved being here with you. Thank you for being here with me, God bless. You know it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us we feel that we have no choice.